This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MarketScale EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the show during this crazy time. I hope you're enjoying our B2B content and staying plugged in. Make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for previous and upcoming episodes of the show. Make sure you're also heading to marketscale.com industries, and there you can find plenty of podcast, video, and audio content, not just from the edtech industry, but from a variety of different B2B industries. All right, let's jump into today's topic. So the world of ed tech is definitely reeling from this pandemic, and we've been seeing a lot of uh, revelations, a lot of major inefficiencies in our current educational model. I think what we're seeing is that without a proactive digital infrastructure, crises like a pandemic or even more commonly a natural disaster can put a complete halt to learning and can affect student outcomes and the educators' grasp on their own curriculum and even their careers potentially. So here to give a little more context on what does a proactive educational strategy look like in the 21st century, one that is crisis ready, we're going to be chatting with Jen Padrenal. She's Director of E-Learning Integration at Cypher Learning. Jen, welcome. How are you doing? Hi, Daniel. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, how are you holding up during the pandemic? Everything good on your end? Well, I'd say I'd like to look at it in a positive way, although um, things are not looking that great here. But, you know, oh, by the way, just a heads up. Um, I am locked down right now in the country side of the country. So you'd probably be hearing some roosters and dogs and other um, unique sound of nature uh where i am right now so yeah just a heads up on that love it well you know it'll add a lot of character to the conversation and i think everyone is uh, at home right now working from home or teaching from home right so if, if you know if someone's got a baby in the background then i think they understand the rooster in the background too yeah no, and, no and i made sure that the baby is sleeping sound asleep yes. right now <laughs> Yeah. Only only one distraction. We can't have more than one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and jump into the topic, Jen. Mm-hmm. Um, broadly, what are some of the best ways that you're seeing educators transform their curriculum today uh, to meet students' needs during this pandemic? What are you seeing them do well, and how are they achieving those uh, transitional changes? Okay. So right now, um, before I um, answer that question, Right now, what had happened to the education sector is um, it's a huge and it's a drastic change in the way that we deliver. I am an educator, by the way, so um, yeah. I, I feel for, for the teachers and the students who are now experiencing this kind of like huge change um, in the way that we deliver our classes, in the way that we deliver learning. Because of this um, pandemic, everything just turned 360 for teachers and, and students in an instant. Um, education went fully online. It's like you woke up one day and you don't need to come to the classroom, but you need to teach fully online. And some, if not 
um, all schools and teachers and students are not ready for that. They end up getting overwhelmed. Um, they don't know what to do. So I guess the, the best thing right now that we could do to help them or just, you know, just to have like a, a transformation in, in the curriculum is that it actually lies in the hands of the school and academic administrator also. They need to be open that change needs to happen in the curriculum. We can't expect the teachers to deliver this, the lessons and, and teach in the same way as they're doing before. A curriculum review, a good curriculum review is needed now. We need to modify our lesson plan so that it fits the online learning mode of class delivery now. So we, we, have, we need to, to, to have a, a good look at integrating technology now in the curriculum. But I have to say that it has to be done in the way that it does not overwhelm the teachers and the students and all the school administrators. So we need to start looking at integrating technology in our curriculum right now. Do you feel like online education and e-learning and, and the, the tools and the breakdown of integrating that naturally into not only the physical classroom but uh, remote workflows, do you think that that is lacking in general right now? Are, are there a lot of educators, um, you know, even the United States or across the world that you see as, as behind on that endeavor? And if so, what are some of the major reasons why they're behind? Or, or if you don't think they are, you know, what do you think is getting them to the point where it is, um, it is more standardized? Yeah, I would say there is a gap right now um, between teaching online and teaching in the physical classroom. So because not all schools and not all teachers worldwide is used to teaching in a fully online mode. So we're, we're probably used to doing blended where we do face to face and we also do online. So that's that's what's happening uh, right now. That's why a lot of teachers, a lot of students, school administrators are getting overwhelmed and they're not they, they're not they don't know what they're they're going to do. Like they woke up one day and they have to do um, online learning. So I wouldn't say something's lacking or something's missing. I would just say there is a gap because we're not used to doing like driving fully online uh, mode of teaching and learning. Uh, could you get into some more specifics on how you're seeing e-learning tools support this transition to a more remote and uh, decentralized workflow for education, both in primary or secondary or uh, collegiate upper education, higher education, yeah. Yeah. So um, e-learning tools like like uh, right now, like an LMS or learner, learning management system, it plays a very, very critical and important role right now in the transition that's happening in the education world. So e-learning e tools like um, learning management system allows us now to still continue teaching and continue learning even if we're not inside our classroom. It allows us to, to make the lessons and information available to the learners. It gives us teachers uh, a place or a tool or an a safe environment where we can still connect and communicate to our students. So basically, um, e-learning right now, I would say, is the new normal for teaching, and we need to embrace it. We need to start um, embracing it because of the situation right now calls for it. Like um, a good learning management system will allow a teacher to create and deliver content that can e can be easily accessed accessed by the students. It will allow 
us to monitor our student engagement and participation, assess our student knowledge, even if we're not inside the four walls of our classroom, even if we're not seeing them face-to-face. -face. So that's how important, um, that's how e-learning or a learning and e-learning tool is supporting that transition right now. So it's it's kind of like it's playing a very, very critical role right now in the education sector. Are you finding that educators and uh, instructional designers and um I guess, you know, leaders in the education space, they don't have to be educators themselves. It could be administrators. Are they seeking the e-learning tools that best work for them? Do they understand the broad dynamic of e-learning tools to support uh, this remote um, reality for education now that we're in? Uh, or are you still seeing a need for, you know, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, education for the education, right? Are you seeing um, the need for um, these e-learning tools and companies, much like Cypher Learning, having to reach out and do the initial pitch still to educators because they're unaware that the technology even exists? What's the dynamic that you're seeing? It's kind of interesting because I, I thought for a while that uh, because of the existence of, of technology that we are already getting there in terms of um, using different digital tools or e-learning tools for education because I've I've been to different schools also in different countries and I see a lot of school getting into like to e-learning so they have that initiative already but when this pandemic happened and when everything got locked down and I see a lot of um posts or I see a lot of um I I have been hearing or I get calls from teachers telling us that they don't know what they're going to do, that they are kind of in a panic mode right now, it made me realize that somehow we're still not ready, that ready for for a fully, uh, for a, not really like a fully online uh, mode of learning, but somehow uh, we still lack readiness in terms of using or um, embracing e-learning as part of the education system now. Cypher Learning's role is also very important right now as an e-learning company because we're trying to reach out to these schools, to these teachers, and we're trying to help them be able to cope with what's happening right now. We're trying to uh, show them how um, our platform, like a, a our learning management system, our learning management platform can help them cope with what's happening right now. And um, and we want to make sure that they will not have a hard time coping with the new, well, I would say it's the new normal um, thing that's going on in the education um, industry right now. So, and then I guess also um, uh, a lot of schools are still in the, in the um, reactive state instead of a proactive state of um, uh, making uh, education disaster proof. So I've been an advocate of a disaster proof education since I started teaching and um, probably um, just to give you a little bit of a background, a disaster proof education uh, is a proactive measure that makes teaching and learning continue amidst calamities like this one, whether that calamity is natural or man-made. It's a measure that also avoids taking extra class day for makeup classes. So I thought for a while that a lot of schools are already in that proactive state. But when this extraordinary occurrence happened, 
I would say that most school, if not all schools, are, are now in a reactive uh, state. They're trying to find a quick fix to what's going on right now in the education sector, how to uh, still continue teaching, how to still continue delivering the lesson, and, and that's when they end up overwhelmed. And that's where company like Cypher Learning comes into, a, into um, the picture. We want as much as possible to be able to help the educators, the students, the school administrators be able to cope with this, um, helping them understand how, how a learning management system can help them continue teaching and learning, how they can implement it in a way that it's not going to overwhelm them. So we actually have like a, a starter kit for them where they can, you know, start a simple, an easy way of implementing an, an online learning. To me, it seems like this pandemic is really an educational moment for educators and instructional designers, really you know, pulling the curtain back and showing if we want to be future-proof and we want to be flexible for any potential crises or change to daily educational norms, uh, we need to have a digital infrastructure ready to go to make yeah. that transition. And it needs to be flexible and engaging to parents, students, the educators themselves, administrators. Uh, what do you think this pandemic is revealing about the needs to be proactive and prepared for changes in that educational day-to-day -day norm for uh, education professionals? So I wouldn't really want to say that this is like a wake-up call to us, but this is, I'd like to say that this is a, to look at it in a positive way, this is a good learning experience for us, for teachers, for parents, for schools, for students also, that we, we don't need to wait for a pandemic or any calamity to happen before we start planning in making our education um, disaster-proof. So we, we don't need to, to have like a bubblegum kind of uh, fix to this kind of occurrence. So we need to be proactive. We need to start planning. I have this process that, that I want to share with, uh, with everyone. Sure, yeah. I call it the pie process. So this is because of the years of... I, I live in a country, by the way, that's being... It's a, I would say it's a disaster-prone country. So Philippines is a country that's, you know, visited by different types of calamities. In a year, we have like an average of 20 typhoons. Recently, in January, we, we had uh, a volcanic eruption. We have floods, we have monsoon rain, and all of these are um, affecting the delivery of classes. It, it, when there is a natural calamity, that means suspension of classes. And when classes is suspended, that means that we need to do makeup classes, rescheduling classes and, and, and uh, trying to make up for the lost time is kind of challenging for teachers also. And this is what's happening right now. So probably we're, a lot of schools are teaching we're going to do makeup classes, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to happen that way. All we need to do is to have that um, a proactive approach in doing this. So I have, as I, I mentioned earlier, I have this process, I call it the pie process. So the PI stands for plan, implement, and evaluate. So what they need to do, planning is, is a key into to everything. Planning is the key for the successful development of a disaster-proof education. So in the planning stage, it's very important for us to consider the objectives. Okay, what are the goals that we're trying to achieve? Um, what are the important 
questions that need to be addressed. We need to think of that. We need to also, and you you mentioned infrastructure and, and access to, to the technology. So that also means part of planning is assessing your or the school's capability. It's important to know the school's technological and pedagogical capability to deliver and implement remote teaching and learning. It's also very important to identify barriers and, and constraints. We have to consider learners' access to technology and, and internet access as, at home. Like right now, I've been hearing a lot of concerns about students not being able to um, access the lesson because they they don't have internet connectivity or they don't have any access to to technology that's needed for them to be able to to attend class whether that's um, um, an online synchronous or asynchronous classes so that's an, that's important part of planning teachers also need to to get to know their students their learning style so that they can develop the right approach for them um, and another important thing in in planning and this is for the school administrator teacher readiness. Capacity, capacity building for teachers and the use of technology that aligns with the pedagogy and, and content is, uh, is a very critical factor. We need to make sure, especially school administrators, need to make sure that teachers are ready and well-equipped to deliver this virtual, virtual class. So that's all part of the, the planning stage. And then uh, the next stage of the process is implementation. So after planning, we need to implement all that we have planned and, and important factors that we can consider in the implementation process would be the content availability. We need to make sure that the content is readily available and accessible to the students in the digital platform that we choose, especially or if we're using a learning management system, we have to make sure that everything is there. And it also helps when um, the teachers, the educators would be able to align their content to the technology that uh, they're using and also the the pedagogy. So for example, if, if a school is offering blended learning or fully online uh, course, they need to make sure that they have a good learning management system that will support that type of instruction. Also part of um, plan of implementation rather is choosing the right tool. If a school is considering an, an LMS or learning management system to be used to to plan for their disaster-proof education, these are the important questions that I would say they need to look at or they need to ask when choosing an, a learning management system. First, they need to ask if the learning management system is uh, easy to set up and implement. It's also important to, to, to look if that LMS offers a free trial that they can test. Ask themselves or ask the provider if they have full support and assistance, if they offer full support and assistance to to users, so all of these things, um, they they need to to look at these things when they're when they're looking for a learning management system that will help them uh, build that uh, disaster-proof education. And then uh, finally, in the implementation process, they also need to choose the right learning activities. So learning will be virtual and remote, and it's happening now. And what they want to make sure is that the platform and its features can definitely support the activities that they plan to do for the students. So some of the virtual activities that probably I can say work well in my class or if I if I'll be able to give some um, examples will be discussion forums, debates or wiki or online collaboration groups, a collaboration uh, activities or web conferencing. Those are some of the activities that they can um, look at and they also need to make their class more engaging like right now. Um, what's happening is that uh, there are so many 
activities that the teachers are putting in in the learning management system that the students are accessing, but they're forgetting one thing, that they also need to make teaching and learning fun. So they also need to look at the capability of uh, the LMS to make lessons more engaging, probably look at the gamification feature of a learning management system. So that's also one thing that they need to look at during the implementation stage. And then, of course, finally, after implementing, they need to evaluate. Evaluate if the implementation of this kind, the modality of teaching is successful. The three important keywords that I could share with them when they're evaluating the, the success of their um, e-learning initiative or in making, trying to make things, or trying to make education disaster proof would probably be three things. Guide, monitor, and adjust. These are the three important keywords in the evaluation uh, part. So again, that's guide, monitor, and adjust. We need to guide the teachers, the students, and other stakeholders, such as parents on the process and what to do. And then while learning happens outside of the classroom, it is also very important that we monitor both the teachers and the students' progress. Monitor, not policing, but we just need to, to like, you know, know how they are doing and how they're progressing with, uh, with the initiative and with the activities that they're doing. So that's very, very important. And we also need to, to develop a very effective feedback and support system, especially if learning and teaching is happening remotely or at home. The teachers need support. The student needs support, and they need to have someone that they can talk to whenever they, you know, they stumble upon um, some challenges, especially in, in whether that's technical or infrastructure challenge or connectivity, connectivity challenge. So we need to be there for them. Someone has to be there for them. And then finally, adjustment make the necessary adjustment or improvements in the implementation process. The, the school needs to upgrade, innovate, create, and update as often as needed. Mm. You know, if they feel that they are not successful, it doesn't mean that they have to stop. They probably just need to adjust something in, in, in the process. So that's kind of like... Um, kind of like an advice also or something that I could share so that we can start becoming proactive in making uh, education uh, disaster proof. I love that. You answered all my questions for me without even having to ask them. So good stuff, Jen. That's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, any uh, here, let me just get a, just a couple more points your way and we can wrap up the conversation. So um, you broke down, you know, a great step-by-step plan more or less for how educators should begin to craft their disaster proof education strategy um what about in the short term uh, because it, a lot of what you broke down i think has that long-term vision to That's it right. but let's say there are educators out there that need solutions now That's they right. need to adapt uh, their classroom to the remote realities of this pandemic yeah it's like the what are some immediate short-term applicable lesson plans tools um strategies for curriculum crafting that you have in mind that have worked and that will support educators and uh, administrators during this transition yeah it's it's funny that you asked that because just yesterday i was um giving like a webinar on on some online uh, how teachers can can do online learning and there's a 
there's a teacher in, in chemistry, she's teaching chemistry, and she asked this question that also made me think. She said that um, it's a challenge for chemistry teachers right now to do laboratory activities because practically, basically, they're not inside the laboratory and they, they can't do that. And she's asking me, how am I going to do that online? What am I going to do? And that's that's kind of like a, asking me, what's the short-term plan that you have, like immediate things that we can do or advice that you can give us? So in my head, I was like thinking, oh yeah, that's a good question. It's kind of, I feel like answering a question from the Miss Universe pageant, but yeah. So I was, and then and then in my in my head, I was thinking, yeah, so that's kind of like, yeah, how do we do that? So I have given her an example, like, if you really want to still teach uh, the students some, you know, uh, do some chemical experiments or some experiments that's that you cannot do in the laboratory, maybe this is what they can do. Modify the lesson plan that they have instead of putting in there that the activities will be done in the laboratory and these are the materials that will be used. Put in there that the activity can now be done inside their own home and the materials to be used could be alternative or substitute materials to the materials that they're using in the laboratory. So it doesn't have to be something so complex. We need to think of what we currently have right now. And the reality now is that we everyone is inside their home. So we need to look at what do we have in our household right now that we can substitute to the materials that we're using or to the equipment that we're using that we're used to using inside the classroom so you need to look at now is the time for us teachers to be more innovative and resourceful so in in a way we need to look at modifying the lessons that we have because right now all of the most teachers already have their lesson plan ready for the for the, the for the school year that has to change we need to change that now we need to look at they need to look at their lesson plan and see how they can modify it so that it fits the current situation and the current situation is everyone is at home right now so look at what you have in your household what you can use in your household to do those activities that you need to be doing uh, for your lessons right all right, last point for you, Jen. Could you connect the dots for us again on why an LMS and why the digital infrastructure of an LMS is so necessary for building a strategy around flexible education and a flexible educational environment? Why is that a necessary component? Yeah. So like right now, um, a learning management system or an LMS is a tool that's very, very critical and important right now because this is the tool that can make teaching and learning still happen even if we're not inside our classroom. And LMS allows us teachers, and I think I, I mentioned this um, earlier, an LMS allows the teachers to create, to still create and still deliver the content that can be easily accessed by the learners anytime, anywhere, right now at the, comfort, at the comfort of their home. So it also allows uh, the teachers and administrators to monitor the students' engagement and participation. It allows uh, us, 
uh, teachers to assess the student knowledge and track their performance even outside of the four walls of the classroom using the different features of a learning management system. So a learning management system can help us do that. Like, for example, NeoLMS has a, a feature wherein you can still, you can do competency-based learning. So you can still connect the lesson to the curriculum standards that you have. A learning management system can still, it allows the teachers to monitor the activity of the students, track their progress. It has that feature that allows the teachers to do that. So we're still able to, to see how the students are progressing in their classes and it still allows us to see how we can help the students move up and catch up to the lesson. But more import importantly, a learning management system right now is, is the tool that will help us make the information, the lessons available to learners anytime, anywhere. All right, Jen Padranal, Director of E-Learning Integration at Cypher Learning. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and giving us your insights on this really unprecedented time for the world, for the nation, and more specifically for the educational industry and for educators themselves. Uh, there's a lot to adapt to in the short and long term, but I do think this is a revealing moment um, for educators worldwide about how critical it is moving forward to have those digital infrastructures in place, not only for flexible learning, um, but also to innovate on top of that infrastructure. How can we improve our learning if we have these tools at our disposal? I think there's a lot of opportunities there. So as much as this is a crazy time and, and one that uh, you know is very um, detrimental to a lot of people, there are some silver linings. And I think for the educational industry, this is one of them. So Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure getting to chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I hope that we are able to help the educators uh, through this podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if folks want to learn a little bit more about Cypher Learning and your services, where should they go? Uh, they can visit our website, cypherlearning.com, or for the schools, they can go to neolms.com and they can also um, send us an email. They can send me an email, jen at cypherlearning.com. Fantastic. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the EdTech Podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're also going to marketscale.com slash industries for everything EdTech, including articles, videos, and podcasts from this industry and more. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.